Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. Not much has been going on in the economy or the financial markets, I guess, the last couple days. It's been pretty quiet, so... I'm going to take an opportunity to record a podcast more on current events and politics. So if you're not interested in those topics, then maybe just wait for my next podcast. Although personally, you know, I remember when I used to do the Peter Schiff show uh, every day. I did that show five days a week. There were people that would complain when I wasn't talking about the markets uh, or even the economy. But, you know, I always enjoyed talking more about politics and current events uh, than just talking about what was happening in the financial markets. And I think the calls that I got, the feedback that I got uh, was more engaging. So I think the show was more interesting. So I'm going to talk mainly about a couple of topics today. One of the ones that I want to talk about has to do with that ruling that came out of the Supreme Court yesterday on the baker in Colorado who had refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding. And I know I have talked about this topic in the past, because this is not the first time it's come up, but it's obviously come up again in the wake of this ruling. So I want to take the opportunity to revisit that topic and and, and talk about it again. Plus, a lot of people may not have listened to uh, the podcast in the past where I uh, spoke about this particular topic. But before I get to that one, I want to talk about a little bit of a lighter topic, but that nonetheless I think is very interesting, uh, is the announcement today from the Miss America pageant that they are no longer going to consider beauty uh, as the criteria for uh, the pageant, right? In other words, it's a beauty pageant, but beauty doesn't count. I mean, not outer beauty. It's just going to be, I guess, inner beauty. Uh, they're going to get rid of the swimsuit competition. They are going to get rid of the evening gown competition. And they're going to select a winner based on other characteristics. I'm really not sure what. I mean, I know they've got the talent portion. Um, you know, I mean, no one really paid too much attention, I don't think, to talent. I mean, some of the women actually had some talent. A lot of them, maybe they juggled or told jokes or tried to pretend they had a talent. I mean, for most of these women, I mean, their talent was the way they looked in a swimsuit, but they had to have a talent. Of course, the usually the most humorous part of the Miss America pageant was the Q&A, uh, where there would be some politically often questions asked. And, of course, the contestants would try to give the most politically correct answer they could come up with because the last thing they wanted to do was offend anybody. I mean, they didn't want to offend the audience by saying something bad. They certainly didn't want to offend one of the judges who they were hoping would vote for them. Uh, but I guess that's all the Miss America pageant is going to be left with is the talent portion and the Q&A. Now, I guess, what, are they just going to elongate uh, the Q&A just have a lot more questions. I don't know what else they're going to do as part of the pageant if if looks don't count. But, you know, it, the whole thing is 
bizarre. I mean, if you're going to have a beauty pageant, then how can it be about beauty? So obviously it's no longer a beauty pageant. It's just a pageant that's got nothing to do with beauty. I mean, they were, there was a, what, they had the National Spelling Bee also a couple days ago. I forgot, you know, which kid won it uh, for spelling some word that I probably can't even pronounce, let alone spell. But what if uh, the Spelling Bee people said, you know, spelling's not going to count going forward in the Spelling Bee. I mean, we're, we're not going to judge people based on how they spell the words. Okay, fine. Well, then it's not a Spelling Bee anymore. What is it? I don't know. How are they going to pick the winner based on what politically correct uh, criteria but hey, we don't, you know, we don't want to make it unfair to the people who can't spell, right? Why should somebody be, you know, denied the opportunity to win a spelling bee just because they can't spell, right? So I mean, maybe that's what this whole thing is about. Look, we have to give the homely women an opportunity to become Miss America because it's not fair that Miss America actually has to be beautiful. Now, I don't know, you know, what is the impetus here? Is this just political correctness run amok? Or is it the Me Too movement, right? Because this is seen as being demeaning to women uh, that, you know, we're, we are appreciating women for their outer beauty and somehow that demeans women because we're seeing women just for what they look like and not for what they are. But if it's a beauty pageant, I mean, that's what you're doing. I mean, just because you appreciate the beauty of a woman doesn't mean that you don't appreciate other qualities, right, that women can have, right, doesn't mean that we're we're saying we don't care about their intelligence or their personality or anything else just because we're going to celebrate and appreciate beauty. Now, of course, you know, some of the contestants, I mean, maybe beauty is all they got. I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they're not that smart. Maybe they don't have a great sense of humor. But, you know, if somebody is born and that's, you know, what they won in the life lottery, right, they happen to be beautiful, why can't they, you know, be appreciated for that? Why can't they get benefits from that? After all, if they don't have, they're not really smart, if that's what they've got going for them. I mean, why is it okay to appreciate one aspect of a woman, but not another aspect? I mean, so I don't see anything wrong uh, with these beauty pageants. I mean, it's, I'm not like a big fan of pageants. I don't even really watch them. Uh, but to the extent that they're there, I'm not offended by them. You know, I probably, I mean, probably women are even more likely to watch the pageants than men. I mean, I don't know that for sure. Uh, but, um, you know, I have, I, I think that women would, you know, would be interested in looking at what the swimsuits are or what, you know, what's the fashions and the evening gowns. And, you know, maybe they're more interested in this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I never found it to be particularly, uh, you know, uh, exciting entertainment. But nonetheless, it doesn't bother me. But all of a sudden now, Miss America has to decide that looks don't count right, in, in, in our competition. Okay, well, fine. Well, looks don't count. Well, you know what? Why is it Miss America? You know, it's Miss America because you're supposed to be young and single, right? That's who's supposed to be in the pageant. It's not Mrs. America. So why don't they just get rid of the Miss? Why don't they call it Ms., right? Because why discriminate against older women? Why can't a grandma be Miss America? Why does a Miss America always have to do be a 22-year-old girl? Why can't it be an 80-year-old grandma? So let's get rid of the Miss and just, I mean, Miss America, just be Ms. America and just age doesn't count either, right? Just let, let anybody uh, apply. Although I don't really know what the criteria is going to be, right? But again, why stop there? Why limit the Miss America pageant to women? I mean, isn't that sexist? 
Aren't there some guys out there that would like to be Miss America? I mean, why don't they open up the Miss America pageant to men? Right, of course, now, you know, they can't even call it Miss or Ms. America. They'd have to call it gender-neutral America, but fine. Just, you know, just let everybody, old people, young people, fat people, ugly people, men, anybody can be in the, in the gender-neutral America, right? Now, I don't know how they're going to decide who gets into the pageant because, you know, when you have to be really, really beautiful to be in there, right? I mean, it really narrows it down, right? Because that's how you pick it. But once you throw all the criteria out the window, everybody becomes eligible to be in the pageant. I mean, how do they even narrow down who gets to be there? I guess maybe it's like a lottery, right? They just, you know, randomly just select names who get to be in the pageant. And I don't know what you base the winner on. Maybe you just do another lottery or maybe they go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I mean, why have any criteria whatsoever? But of course, is anybody going to tune in to this Miss America, where you have, you know, a bunch of women who may or may not be attractive uh, doing who knows what for a couple of hours until we find out who wins based on criteria that nobody even understands. So they basically have to destroy the entire thing. Now, of course, they still have Miss uh, USA, not to be confused with Miss America. And by the way, Miss USA is the pageant that used to be owned by Donald Trump. There's no way Donald Trump if he owned Miss USA still, would, would, would agree to this nonsense because he would obviously be destroying the value of his own uh, brand, his own property. And so Miss USA and Miss Universe, and both of those uh, pageants were sold, by the way, by the president does not own them anymore. He ended up selling them. Remember, there was a big controversy because when he was a candidate, uh, all of a sudden, because some of the things that he said, some of the networks didn't want to air um, the, the pageants. So he ended up buying out his partner and then selling the whole thing. And so he doesn't own them anymore. Uh, but whoever does, I'm sure they're not going to, uh, you know, uh, follow, uh, in Miss America's footsteps because Miss America is going to go away. I mean, there's no, it's just, they're basically, they might as well just fold up shop, right? Because there's not going to be an audience for this product anymore. And I guess that's better. That probably raises the value of, uh, Miss USA because that's it now. Right, if that's the only beauty pageant that's going to be left, and then uh, the Miss Universe one. But this is the, the the product of letting all of this political correctness go crazy. I mean, look what's happening. I mentioned in one of my earlier podcasts about the Girl Scouts, right? Because now the Boy Scouts are allowing Girl Scouts to join the Boy Scouts. So it's no longer the Boy Scouts; they're really just the Scouts. But the problem is this is destroying the Girl Scouts because now they're losing their membership because now the girls are just going to join the Boy Scouts that aren't really the Boy Scouts anymore. But the bottom line is I'm sure that scouting was better when you had Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts because, you know, there are things that girls like to do that boys don't want to do. And there are things that boys like to do that girls don't want to do. Now, are there the exceptions to the rule? Of course. But by and large, Young boys and young girls enjoy a different type of experience, and it's nice to have uh, both options. But now you're going to end up you know, destroying the options, and so uh, women are actually going to have less of an opportunity because those women who want to join the Girl Scouts will eventually there'll be no Girl Scouts. So they either have to join the Girl Boy Scouts or they don't become a scout at all, which is more likely what's going to happen. Right. So basically all of this pressure to try to open up the scouting opportunities to women, the end result is going to be fewer women are going to be scouts. And that's generally how this stuff works. You know, you start out with these good intentions and it backfires and blows up on you. But this 
this beauty contest without beauty, I mean, to me, that takes the cake. And as long as I am on the subject of taking the cake, let us uh, get to uh, the next topic that is more serious that I wanted to talk about. And that is the ruling from yesterday by the Supreme Court about this uh, baker in Colorado, very religious man who refused on religious grounds. He did not want to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Although I'm not sure it's the baking of the cake that he opposed to. It might have been the decorations of the cake because, you know, uh, he, he had to decorate it in a way that was celebrating gay marriage. And maybe that was just putting two grooms on the top. I don't really know, you know, what uh, this couple wanted on the cake other than two male figures on the top. But I think, you know, a lot of these cake decorators too, they consider themselves to be uh, something of an artist because it is artistic, right? You're designing a cake, you're, you know, and, and, and so it, he, the cake maker did not want to uh, artistically reflect homosexuality, which was something that he had a deep-seated religious belief was a sin, right? And, and so this went all the way up to the Supreme Court somehow, and the Supreme Court ruled in his favor that he, he should not be punished because he did not uh, bake this cake. And it was a seven to two decision. So it was, you know, it, it wasn't unanimous, but it wasn't as close a call. I mean, you read some of the articles and it was like a narrow decision. I mean, seven to two is not really narrow. I mean, it's pretty decisive, right? I mean, seven is five ahead of two, right? Uh, so it was a decisive uh, victory, but unfortunately, the victory didn't really decide anything as far as the bigger picture issue, because apparently there were some special circumstances surrounding this particular case, and the justices were ruling on those narrow circumstances. They didn't have a broader ruling where you could say, aha, here is a definitive precedent on this issue, because there are a lot of service providers, whether it's florists or photographers or caterers who have you know similar religious objections and do not want to participate in in gay weddings and so if a homosexual couple comes to them and says hey I'd like you to photograph my wedding they say that they they don't want to do it and so the question is what is more important right the religious freedom of the baker not to bake a cake or the civil rights of the gay couple to uh, have a cake at their wedding. And first of all, I don't even think that's the issue. I don't think it's really a freedom of religion issue. I think it goes way beyond that. I think it's an individual liberty issue. But first, just to think about it in terms of religion, obviously, people have a right to their religious beliefs. And you do not lose your right to observe your religion because you open up a business, because you decide to become a baker, it doesn't mean that you no longer have a right to freedom of religion. You do. You don't lose that right because you, you know, start a business. And if you have a religious belief that homosexuality is wrong, then why should you be required to participate in something that you believe is morally wrong, that you believe is a sin? It almost makes you a sinner to be a part of it. And so there is no way that you should be forced to do this. This is horrible. And, you know, especially for homosexuals, homosexuals should be particularly cognizant of tolerance. Because after all, homosexuals have a lifestyle that they want heterosexuals to tolerate, right? It is different. It is in the minority. 
right? And so if you are a minority and your lifestyle is very different than the norm, right? You want the majority to be tolerant of the difference in your lifestyle, right? So if you want tolerance and you expect tolerance from others, then you need to show tolerance to others. So if you want society, if you're gay and you want society to accept that lifestyle, then you need to be willing to accept the fact that not every single person in society is going to be acceptive. There are going to be people that are going to have religious beliefs. And as far as I can tell, that's really probably the only real belief uh, that would cause people to, uh, you know, uh, not want to be acceptive of, of, of homosexuality. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, there may be some small examples where just you got somebody that just doesn't like homosexuals. But my guess is that the vast majority of people who have a problem with homosexuality, it's based on religion, right, rather than anything else. And, and so if you're going to be gay and you're expecting other people to tolerate your gay lifestyle, then tolerate somebody else who has religious beliefs that maybe uh, don't accept homosexuality. There's nothing wrong with that. And the ridiculous part about this whole lawsuit is that this gay couple that wanted to have a wedding cake, my bet is that they went through many, many bakers. Maybe it took them days. They probably had to go through one after another on the Internet to try to find the one baker who did not want to bake this cake <laughs> because the vast majority of bakers they want to make money. They want to bake every cake that they can. And if you come to a baker, especially with a wedding cake, because I'm sure the margins on wedding cakes are bigger than any other margin, right? You just bake a birthday cake. It's small. Many wedding cakes are big. They're multi-layers. I bet that most cake bakers, they're just hoping that they get an order for a wedding cake. I mean, that makes their day. Maybe it makes their whole week, right? So everybody wants to bake wedding cakes. Right. So I'm sure that these guys called baker after baker and they said, hey, I'd like you to bake a cake for my wedding. Uh, I'm marrying my my uh, boyfriend and it's going to be a gay wedding. And this is the kind of cake we want. And I'm sure every baker is like, OK, great. Yep, I'll do it. Right. And then they said, oh, it's OK. I, I don't want to do it. Right. They kept calling baker after baker. And finally, they finally found the one baker that didn't want to bake their cake. And they said, aha, we're going to sue you now. This is ridiculous because it's not that this gay couple didn't have access to bakeries. They had plenty of bakeries that would have baked their cake. It's just that they couldn't have access to every single bakery in existence because some of those bakeries were owned by religious people who didn't want to bake cakes for gay weddings. Well, who cares? Is that going to stop a gay wedding from taking place? No, it's not going to stop a gay wedding. In fact, why would you want to force a baker who doesn't like you for whatever reason, right? Who doesn't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding, right? You say, look, you bake this cake or I'm going to sue you. Well, what if the baker says, okay, I'll bake it. I mean, what if he spits in it? I mean, or at least doesn't do a good job. Maybe it won't taste that great. I mean, if you're going to bake a cake that you don't want to bake and you've been forced to bake it against your will, you're probably not going to do your best job, right? Personally, right? If I was gay, I would want the person baking my wedding cake to be happy to do it. To be, in fact, maybe I'd want another gay guy baking my my wedding cake for me, right? Just to be on the safe side, right? Because I got to eat it, right? I mean, I'm Jewish. Would I want to force an anti-Semite to bake a cake for my kid's bar mitzvah? No. Why would I want to do that? You know, 
I want somebody who likes Jewish people preparing the food that Jewish people are going to eat, right? And in fact, if there is an anti-Semitic baker, I just assume know who he is so I can avoid him, right? Because maybe he'll put something in the cake if he knows Jews are going to eat it. So the same thing would be for gay people with a wedding. If there's a guy that doesn't like homosexuals, that's not the place to get your cake. But the people who filed this lawsuit, it wasn't about their right to a cake. It was about they're trying to force this lifestyle on every single person in the country, even somebody who has a deep-seated religious uh, objection to it, which is completely intolerant and which creates the problem. There was no problem, right? This couple had no problem, right, having their cake. What they wanted was to eat religious freedom and individual liberty too. That's all they cared about. It wasn't about having their cake. It was about eating other people's rights. And that is what needs to be stopped. And that, again, brings me to the, the bigger issue, that it's not about religion. I think it's individual liberty and freedom. It doesn't matter why you don't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding. It doesn't matter if you're religious or atheist. If you don't want to bake it, don't bake it. Nobody can force you to do something. That's slavery, right? If I don't want to photograph a gay wedding, if I don't want to cater a gay wedding, I don't have to do it. Now, you might think, well, then, nobody, gays aren't going to be able to have any photographers at their weddings. Gays aren't going to have any florists. No, first of all, most of the florists are gay. So they're not going to want to go to a, a gay wedding. But the reality is the number of people who own businesses who will refuse paying customers who happen to be gay is tiny. <laughs> In fact, my guess is that most people who maybe they don't like homosexuals for whatever reason, they like their money. They're not going to turn down the business. The only person who's going to turn down the business is somebody who's really devoutly religious. I mean, obviously, this baker knew that his religious beliefs were going to cost him a great job. He wasn't going to be able to bake this big cake for this gay wedding. And as a result, he was going to lose out on that revenue. There was a cost to his refusal, but he made the decision because it's his life and it's his right. You know, first of all, I mentioned earlier, what if a gay couple decided that they wanted to buy a cake that was baked by a gay baker? And what if they called up a bunch of bakeries and they said, hey, I like to order a wedding cake for my gay wedding, but I just want to make sure that you're gay too because I want a gay person to prepare the cake. And what if the baker said, no, I'm heterosexual, and they said, fine, we're going to go on to somebody else. Could the baker sue the couple for discrimination? No, they can't. Right? Everybody will agree that the customer can discriminate based on whatever factor he wants, based on you know, gender, based on uh, sexual orientation, uh, based on race. Right? Customers can do whatever they want. Well, why are the uh, service providers business owners any different, especially when you're talking about personal services, right? I mean, not everybody is a big company with lots of employees. I can hire, you know, there could be a florist that's just one guy, a photographer. Usually they don't have an employer. They work for themselves. I mean, they're on equal footing, the guy paying the photographer, the guy taking the photos, right? I mean, I mean, this is personal service. What about a masseuse? I mean, could you force somebody to massage you if they don't want to give you a massage? Right? I mean, just because I'm a masseuse doesn't mean I have to massage everybody who demands that I massage them. You know, what, you know, so people should have the right 
to be able to choose who they want to associate with, who they want to do business with, for whatever reason. Now, I know people are saying, well, Peter, what if, what if somebody just wants to refuse uh, service to somebody who's black? You know what? They have a right to do that. I've got no problem with that. I'm Jewish. I keep saying that. I have no problem with somebody denying me service because I'm Jewish. And if there's a restaurant that wants to put out a sign that says uh, no Jews allowed, I, you know, I think that the restaurant owner has a right to hang that sign. Now, I think he'd be a complete idiot to hang that sign because I think he'd be out of business in a day. But hey, you know, that's the risk that he takes, right? Because do you think anybody would stay in business today? How many people would be out front of that restaurant? You know, it'd be on YouTube right away. It'd be streaming. It'd be all these people taking photographs. Everybody would boycott it and nobody would eat there. But let's suppose there's a small restaurant in an anti-Semitic town that could actually support a restaurant where there were no Jews allowed. Do I care if a bunch of anti-Semites want to get together and have a meal in a restaurant? No. Well, I just assume have them all, you know, uh, in one restaurant. That way I know where they are. They're not going to be interfering with me. Like get all the anti-Semites into this one restaurant that has no Jews allowed, and that's fine. Then I don't have to deal with them, right? And the same thing would happen, you know, with blacks. If, if, if a restaurant wants to say no blacks, how many people are going to eat there? I mean, obviously, I mean, most white people wouldn't eat there. I mean, you, even if you were a bigot, you'd be embarrassed to go into a restaurant that had a sign that said no blacks, right? Now, maybe years and years ago when there was more racism, uh, maybe somebody would have had a restaurant. They did have restaurants that said no blacks. Uh, and there were, you know, bigots that wanted to eat there. But that's not going to happen today. And in fact, if you go back, you know, to before the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Almost all the segregation that we had based on race was government mandated. It was the government that said blacks sit at the back of the bus. It was the government that said you have to have a, a, a bathroom for blacks and a bathroom for white. I mean, it wasn't private business owners in general making these decisions. They didn't have the right to make that decision. It was the government coming in and saying, you've got to do this. And the Supreme, you know, that was uh, the Civil Rights Act made that illegal. And I, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that was uh, the right thing to do. I don't think governments uh, should be able to institutionalize that racism. But the problem with the Civil Rights Act, and this is what we're dealing with now, is that the government went too far in that they regulated private conduct. And there's a big difference between governments mandating uh, segregation or discrimination and private individuals uh, exercising their own rights to discriminate. Now, that doesn't mean, like, if, if I think, I think people should be able to discriminate. I think business owners should be able to discriminate based on sexual preference, uh, orientation, based on race, based on gender, right? Just because I think they should be able to do that doesn't mean I want to see a nation where, you know, the restaurants are just all white or all black or all men or all women. I don't think that's going to happen. I just want to live in a society where it's allowed, but it's rare, right? Because if people are allowed uh, to discriminate, a few people might, but the vast majority won't because it's lousy business. I mean, who wants to open up a restaurant and say no women? I mean, half the population is not going to come in, right? You know, what if you say no blacks? Well, that's what, 13% of the population? I mean, you know, what, I mean, do you really want to get rid of 13% of your customers? And plus, it's not just 13%, because the minute you hang a sign that says no blacks, you're going to lose most of your white customers, too. Right? So business owners are not going to do that. The free market is going to punish people who 
discriminate based on those reasons. You know, and I mentioned this uh, on my Facebook. I put up this uh, post up there, and a lot of people don't get it. But the the free market exacts a penalty against people who want to discriminate for just no valid reason, just based on bigotry or whatever, right? Because if you want to open up a business, let's say I want to have a bakery and I don't want to bake cakes for gay weddings. Well, I eliminate gay weddings. I don't know what percentage of all weddings are gay these days. I mean, I'm sure it's small, but let's say it's 2% or 3% of all weddings are gay weddings. Well, I'm no longer able to bake cakes for those weddings. There is a financial cost to that decision, but it's up to the baker to decide if he wants to eat that cost. Now, what if I'm a racist baker? And I say, well, I don't want to bake cakes for blacks. All right, well, that's, you know, that's 13% of the population. So now I'm going to lose business from all the blacks who otherwise, you know, would have paid me to bake cakes. Or I don't want to bake cakes for Jews, right? The more groups I want to eliminate, the more opportunity I lose to make money. And of course, if I'm giving up all these, you know, people I don't want to bake cakes for, and all my competitors who aren't bigots, they're baking Jewish cakes, they're baking black cakes, they're baking gay cakes. I mean, eventually I'm going to go out of business because they're going to outcompete me. So the free market is going to punish people who are discriminating. It is going to reward people who are open and inclusive. The same thing with hiring, right? If you're hiring people and I'm hiring people uh, based on uh, my own personal prejudices, meaning, you know, a guy comes to work, wants to, wants to have a job, interview for a job, a black guy, and I don't want to hire him because he's black, even though he's better qualified than the white guy that I hired. That's a sacrifice for me. I'm hiring because I'm, I'm prejudiced. Well, now my competitor hires the black guy that I didn't want to hire because I hired the white guy, and he hires the better guy, and I, you know, now I'm at a competitive disadvantage. So the person who is making decisions based on merit is going to have a competitive edge against the person who's making decisions based on race or gender or just something that has nothing to do with the job. And so the free market is going to take care of racism and, 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 and that type of discrimination. But what the government does, the government comes in and they pass all these laws. And now all of a sudden they create a financial incentive to discriminate. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you hire somebody who's a member of one of these protective classes, whether it's uh, uh, a black or Hispanic or homosexual or women, whatever it is, right? The minute you hire somebody who is now you know, has these special privileges because they fall within one of these groups that has been earmarked to have to be entitled to special treatment, which is what it is. It's not civil rights. It's a, it's a special privilege that you're given, right? And and now people lose the right that they otherwise would have to be able to discriminate against you because the right to discriminate is a right. People can make choices for whatever reason they want to, rational or irrational. That's part of freedom. And part of freedom is also tolerating other people's decisions, even if you disagree with the way they're made. But when a business is hiring people with the, you know, the civil rights laws in place, the more uh, minorities that are hired, the higher the probability that you're going to find yourself with a lawsuit, right? Because most lawsuits that have to do with discrimination 
are not because you weren't hired, right? So let's say I'm a minority, I'm black, and I interview for a job, and I don't get hired. The odds that I'm going to sue the company for not hiring me because I'm black are very slim, especially for small businesses because you don't have the numbers. I mean, if somebody has four employees, five employees, and none of them are black, and then I don't get the job, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, it's because that I was black. I mean, there's just not a big enough sampling to prove uh, that you're discriminating even if none of your other employees are black because there's not enough employees there to be a, a, a legitimate sample. I mean, if I had a thousand employees and none of them were black and I lived in, you know, in a community where there was 20% black and I had no blacks out of a thousand employees, well, then you maybe can draw uh, an inference that, hey, the statistics are there. You know, what else accounts for the lack of black workers? I must be discriminating. But if I only have three or four or five workers, the, the sample pool isn't big enough to draw a conclusion of discrimination. So if you don't hire somebody uh, who's a minority, you're not going to get sued. No problem. But let's say you've hired somebody who's black and now they don't work out. And let's say you have four white employees and you hire this black employee, right? And now you need to let him go. Now, all of a sudden, you can say, well, you fired me because I'm black, right? Because, hey, you had one black worker and I'm the one you fired. You didn't fire any of the white workers. So you fired me because I'm black. Now, maybe you did. Maybe you have a valid reason, but that doesn't stop the lawsuit. See, those are the lawsuits that these civil rights lawyers love. They want to find a black guy that got fired by a white boss where it, so they can sue him and say, you fired that guy because he's black. Now, even if you didn't, how much is it going to cost you to defend yourself in the lawsuit? See, the lawyer knows that, and he knows that you're going to write a check to settle the lawsuit no matter how frivolous it is because it's cheaper than defending yourself, and you might even lose, right? Even if race had nothing to do with the reason that you fired him, how do you prove that? How do you prove that that's not why you fired him, right? I mean, so these are the risks that you face. And of course, it's not just that I fired the guy. What if um, I hire a black worker and one of my white workers says something racist to my black worker? Now I'm the one that gets sued, right? The other worker never gets sued. When you are an employer, you're responsible for everything that your employees do to their other employees. So if one of my employees makes an off-color joke or says something racially offensive to my black employee, now I could be sued for it. So obviously, if I limit my employees and just hire, you know, let's say white males, well, then I've minimized the potential lawsuit. And maybe I've passed up some better qualified females or black males than my competitors, but I may make up for that in not having to worry about lawsuits or not having to, you know, have all the diversity training or all the other defensive things that people do to try to make sure they're not going to get sued. I mean, look at what Starbucks just went through the other day. I forget one of their managers. I think there was somebody that was in Starbucks that had been there and maybe they, you know, they had been there all day or they weren't buying anything. They happened to be black. And so I, I don't know, maybe they called the police to, and, and, and it turns out that, you know, whatever the reason that they were there were valid. I don't know the whole story, but I know that just recently they had to shut down like all the Starbucks restaurants so they can have a day of diversity training. And now the way I understand it, you know, you know, you could just go into a Starbucks now and stay there all day, bring your laptop, uh, sit in the booth, uh, use the bathroom and never even buy a cup of coffee. I wonder if you're allowed to bring food in. Can I bring some Dunkin' Donuts coffee into a Starbucks and sit there and use their internet and get out of the heat and use their bathroom from the day they open to the time they close and nobody can say anything? I mean, maybe at some point 
there won't be any room in Starbucks for the paying customers because there'll be so many people just hanging out there, uh, you know, just uh, using the Wi-Fi uh, and listening to their music. You know, by the way, you know, I think I mentioned, I, I know somebody who got sued that owned a Starbucks. A Starbucks got sued because somebody came into the Starbucks and they were, their hearing, I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, their hearing was impaired. And so they asked the Starbucks restaurant if they had a device that would enable them to better hear the music that was playing on the speakers, and they didn't have the device, and so they sued the Starbucks because it was discriminating against the hearing impaired because they couldn't hear the music that they were playing like all the customers that didn't have hearing problems. This is the society we're in. If you have a hearing problem, that's not Starbucks problem that's your problem if you need a hearing aid then you buy one and you walk into starbucks restaurant wearing your hearing aid you can't demand that every restaurant that you go to provide you with a hearing aid while you're there so you can hear the music you know i mean ultimately what would happen is so the restaurants have no music at all right and that way you can't complain as long as they deny everybody music i mean that's what happened i mentioned that to a lot of these swimming pools a lot of these hotels they couldn't afford to put all the handicap uh, ramps or uh, elevators into the swimming pools. You know, they have these small motels. I mean, not that many people even use the pools. It's normally just kids. I mean, I've never used a pool at a motel. I've stayed in a number of them, and I've, I've never used a swimming pool. Um, but what a lot of these uh, motels did is they just, you know, they just filled in the swimming pools. They just covered them over in cement because it was easier to take the pool away from everybody than to make it accessible uh, to people in wheelchairs. And of course, why should somebody in a wheelchair be entitled to be able to use the swimming pool at every single motel that exists in the world? You know, they've got something called the internet, right? If you are in a wheelchair and you want to check into a motel, all you have to do is find the ones that have swimming pools that will accommodate you. And you know what? There will be a financial incentive for some uh, hotels, not all hotels, because the market is not that big for people in wheelchairs who want to swim in pools when they stay in motels, because most people who aren't in wheelchairs don't want to swim either. So, you know, it's a very small percentage of the population who even wants to use the pool, and it's an even smaller percentage who are in wheelchairs. But there will be some hotels that will make an investment to buy that equipment, and if all the people who are in wheelchairs patronize that hotel then or motel rather then they may make the money back on the investment but it, it is completely uneconomical for a society to demand that every single motel have a swimming pool that is accessible uh, to handicapped people even if handicapped people are are never going to be there look i mean all this stuff i talk on one of my podcasts about this um, this strip club in L.A. that got sued by a woman in a wheelchair because she wanted to get a job as a stripper, and the the the, the strip joint that she was trying to apply for a job at, the, the stripper stripped in showers, and the showers were elevated on the stage, and there was no ramp for her to get her wheelchair up to the shower so she could be a stripper, as if anybody wants to watch a stripper who's in a wheelchair while they're stripping, right? I mean, look. I feel bad when, you know, people are in wheelchairs and you have to adjust uh, your life. I mean, once you find yourself in a wheelchair, there are certain things that you can't do. And I guess stripper is one of them. And you just have to accept that. And, you know, you don't have a right to be a stripper. If people don't want to look at strippers in wheelchairs. Now, maybe there are some people who enjoy strippers in wheelchairs. Okay, 
then, but not in a shower, How, you know, not in an elevated shower. So find another strip club to work at. But no, right? Everything has to be uh, these demands. And then you've got, and I, I've talked to friends of mine who own um, restaurants or, or, or landlords, and they get sued constantly because there are groups of people, handicapped people, that are going from restaurant to restaurant, just nitpicking, looking at, oh, oh, this bar is an inch too low, or the slope on this parking space is 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 two degrees off center, right? And they come up with all kinds of ways to shake down these restaurants. The handicapped people who are going there have no intention of eating there. They're just there to figure out what tiner violation has been made so that a lawyer can sue them, right? So we have all kinds of lawsuits. The entire society is, is rendered less competitive and less free because of all this stuff. So the bottom line, it started with me talking about the gay uh, couple getting married. You know what? How about a little tolerance? What if bakers and uh, florists and uh, photographers let them choose what weddings they want to they want to work at and what weddings they don't right who cares right this all the all that the homosexual community is doing and I recognize this is a small portion I bet the overwhelming majority of gays in America are perfectly willing to tolerate People who are not accepting of their behavior because they're small. They're in the minority. Let let it be, right? Let let people live their lives. That's what that's what you that's what you're asking other people to do for you if you're gay. Just let us live our lives. And I'm fine. I'm fine with gays living the lifestyle that they want. That's me. If somebody else isn't okay with it, that's their right. Right? Just like if somebody else doesn't like Jews. They have a right to their own prejudices, right? Now, if they beat me up because I'm Jewish, well, that's different. Now they've committed a crime, right? People can't, you know, beat you up because they don't like your sexuality or they don't like your religion. That's different than not baking you a cake because when somebody is beating me up, they are actually taking away my rights, my freedoms. They're interfering with me. They're hurting me. They're doing something that damages me. But when somebody just doesn't want to bake me a cake, I'm not damaged because I don't have a right to that cake. Because if you think that you have a right to the cake that somebody else bakes, then basically what you're saying is that person is your slave. You have a right to force somebody to do something for you that they don't want to do. Right? When you're talking about somebody not hurting me, not taking something away from me, see now that's what government can do. They protect my rights from other people. But I can't use government to force other people to do things for me, right? That is wrong. That is not freedom. That is not liberty. And when you look at the left, right, you look at how they reacted to this decision. Like, oh, my God, this is a slippery slope to fascism. Oh, the next thing you know, I mean, it, it, the Nazis are going to be in charge. What's, what's more fascist is, you know, using the power of the state to force people to do things against their will, right? The... The gay couple that filed this lawsuit was not harmed in any way because this lone baker did not want to bake their cake. The only person that was harmed was the baker because the baker was now forced to do something that he doesn't want to do. The gay couple could have picked any one of hundreds and hundreds of bakers that would have gladly baked that cake and everything would have been fine. But no, they have to find the one baker who doesn't want to do it and make a federal case out of it and take it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And people should be not upset at the verdict. 
They should be upset, A, at the couple who uh, brought this case, but at the entire country, at the system that we have today. Let's live in a free country where people are free to do things that we don't agree with. We need to tolerate intolerance. If somebody wants to discriminate, then let them do it. Right? And you know, the cost of businesses, I get back on this, putting these burdens on business owners to say, look, you know, if you fire somebody, now you're going you're gonna to have a microscope on your decision making and you better prove that you fired this person for the right reasons. That A, makes me less likely to hire somebody where I may be forced into that circumstance, but it runs up the cost of doing business. It diminishes the standard of living of the entire country. Just allow people to hire and fire based on whatever criteria they want, right? Now, obviously, if there's an employment agreement and there are terms that are spelled out, then obviously employers and employees need to abide by that agreement. But if you're talking about a situation where employment is at will, meaning I've got a job, I can quit whenever I want, I don't have to give notice, and I can be fired whenever I want, my employer doesn't have to give me a reason, right? That's the way it should be. You shouldn't be able to go back to your employer and say, you know what, you didn't fire me for a valid reason. You fired me because I'm Jewish or you fired me because I'm gay or you fired me because I'm old. It shouldn't matter why you were fired because it's the right of the business owner to fire you just like it's your right to quit. You know, and people always think that the business owners have all the power. Not always. Sometimes you have key employees. You could be a small shop and a key employee can say, I'm out of here. I mean, that can create a huge problem for a business owner when a key employee who he's been training for years announces he's leaving, right? That could be a big problem. So, you know, it's not always that there's so much power that the employer has. You know, employees have power too, right? But at the end of the day, if we want a vibrant economy, if we want to expect freedom and individual liberty, that's what's important, not group privileges, right? They like to call them rights, but there are no rights. If you're a woman... You don't have special rights because of your gender. If you're Jewish, you don't have special rights because of your religion. If you're black, you don't have special rights because of your race, right? Those are privileges that have been granted by the state. It is abhorrent to the founding principles of this country. Everybody has individual rights. They're the same. Your rights are the same, whether you're a female or a male, whether you're black or white, whether you're gay or straight. And what are the rights you have is freedom of association, and you don't lose those rights just because you start a business or hire people. So people of all races and all genders have a right to discriminate. And when we accept that and recognize that, then we will live in a world that has minimal discrimination, will have much less discrimination, and will have much more freedom. And that's what's important. It's freedom, and you have to respect that, and you have to respect the fact that not everybody shares your rights. I mean, people know this from freedom of speech, right? If you believe in freedom of speech, then you also have to defend the rights to, uh, of people to say things that you don't believe in yourself. That's what freedom of speech is about. It's about tolerating speech that you find offensive. Well, that's the same thing with discrimination. If you believe in freedom, then you have to tolerate other people's discrimination, including not wanting to bake a cake, uh, at a for a gay wedding. The left considers all these rules and regulations progress, right? The fact that we have the mob enforcing through the power of the state, uh, making sure that individuals no longer have the freedom 
to discriminate, right? Because we can come down uh, with the full power of government and force a small religious baker to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Because we can do that, this is supposedly progress, right? We're, we're progressing away from the old days where people could discriminate to the new days where nobody is allowed, where we're going to force tolerance at, at gunpoint. That is not progress. I am all for inclusiveness and tolerance and less discrimination. I believe if all of these things evolve freely, with free people choosing without the force of government to be more accepting of one another, of their differences, to not you know see people based on the color of their skin or any of that, but just the, the, the content of their character, right? People really are colorblind because we evolve that way on our own. We become more enlightened, free individuals who voluntarily choose to broaden our horizons. Yes, that is progress. I very much support all of that happening naturally in a free society. What is not progress is when we lose individual freedoms, when we have to force people to do what we think is right. I don't want to force people to stop discriminating by law. I don't want to use the power of the state to do it. I'm fine with people being forced by their own economics, their own consequences of their decisions. I think it's great if somebody wants to discriminate and there is a cost exacted for doing that in lost business and lost opportunity. But if people are willing to suffer that loss freely because they want to discriminate, that's fine. But I do believe that over time, uh, all of this stuff is going to go away. And I am in favor of it as progress. But what we have right now, when you have a mob, when you have uh, this individual who has to go through the courts to the Supreme Court, when you have... Uh, to you know, basically militant homosexuals trying to ram their agenda down every single baker's throat. Right? Forget about the fact that there's plenty of bakeries that they can use. They want to find out one guy, seek this guy down, and exact the power of the state to force him to comply and to do what they want. That is not progress at all. That is the antithesis of progress. <music>